Hey. Oh, hello. I thought you had a whole, I thought you had a whole intro. I'm so sorry. <laughs> no, this show just starts to- with a cold open. That's all it is. This is it. We're in it right now. Oh, I was waiting for you to be like, this is Merit, your lovely host who you see every week. You know, like you, one of those. You would parts. think so. You would think that that is how the show would start. And in fact, our other show, Dad Feelings, does have that intro. But this show, um, I think it just started back before we or anyone knew what a podcast was. Um, we just sort of started talking on the phone. And um, we kind of just, that kind of just stuck around. That convention just sort of stuck with us. So um, we're in it already. This is it. We're, in, we're doing the show. Oh, okay, great. Yeah. I'm, I'm sorry that I'm a slave to form and structure. No. Um, and <laughs> you're dedicated. Is what you are? <laughs> you're very dedicated i know um i don't know it's funny there are different like there there are sort of forums that that podcasts tend to follow and i know there are forums that that uh youtube videos tend to follow as well um and mm-hmm. i think some of those have become pretty maligned um yeah well we've never done that because uh my comedy partner is very against uh <laughs> uh vlog formats or any kind of <laughs> She, yeah, she's just not. So we've been kept to a very strict regimen of not following any kind of YouTube trend or format, despite my pleading and begging, because I feel like it would help us gain subscribers. But she is a purist. <laughs> You're begging. Just let me say, hey, guys, please let me say, hey, guys. And she's yeah. like, never. Never. I mean, never. it's barely it's recorded as if there there isn't an audience. <laughs> like, it's barely. <laughs> That's kind of great, though. But yeah, I guess it's I mean, I think people like that. Like if it maybe we would have hit a million faster. But if I feel like people now, if they if we started doing it, they'd be upset. So we can't start now because then they'd be like, what do you suddenly care about YouTube? What are you even talking (laughs) about? That's ridiculous. They would see right through us. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. What are some of those formats that you've like wanted to jump on that you've been prevented from? I mean, just any kind of like authenticity or vlogging. <laughs> like, <laughs> she and I were fighting for like months and we just kept it completely off the channel, which like I guess is good career wise. And it's like better for like, you know, I'm sure I wouldn't want to go back and look at that and stuff. But then like later when we were done fighting, we re- referenced it on the show. And then all the fans were like, oh, my God. Yeah, we knew that you guys didn't like each other for a couple months. So, like. <laughs> They see right through it, uh-huh. but but normally if we were like a normal vlogging couple, we would like be posting like we had a fight, you know, <laughs> yeah. like a thumbnail, but we don't do, I say couple as if we're like a couple, but I mean, we essentially are, but yeah, it's like pretty ridiculous. Do your, do your listeners know, even know YouTube or who I am? Or what oh, I- absolutely. <laughs> they do. I mean, do you want to tell, I mean, yeah, like, why don't we tell them a bit about what you do? Cause I'm sure like most of them do. Um, they watch videos. They have both. They have eyes as well as just ears. Many of them, maybe not all of them. That's okay too. Um, but yeah, no, they're into YouTube. Um, uh, and you have this great channel on that. Yeah, on my that website. comedy partner Allison Raskin and I have a YouTube channel called Just Between Us, uh, and it's like a sketch comedy channel that posts twice a week. We've been doing it for like three and a half years, four years now. That's so, wild. Yeah, that's forever pretty, in internet time. I know it's pretty crazy. Uh, we. We met out here, like I've been pretty much doing it since I moved to LA. Like I've been here in LA four years and JBU has been going for four years too. 
That's wild. Yeah. I moved out here to try to like follow a a romantic interest. And then my mom is very uh, sweet. And she says, well, that didn't work out, but you moved for your real romantic interest, Allison. And I was like, (laughs) all right, everyone calm down. (laughs) Uh, Where did you move to LA from? I was in New York. Oh, wow. Yes, I am. That's correct. Yeah, I was I was in New York. I thought I was going to die in New York, but uh, I then I moved to L.A. and I became a piece of shit. And I was like, <laughs> I love L.A. It's the best. Well, I think a lot of people think they're going to die in New York. I just thought like I had this idea of like, I'm going to like d- die surrounded by cats in my apartment and no one will care and my cats will eat me and that will be a true New York story. The dream. And then <laughs> I know. And then um, I moved to L.A. and I'm like, now just. Uh, like I have a car and I go to Target and like <laughs> so weird. That's great though. I mean, Target is pretty cool. I went there today. I, really, the one in Harlem? Uh, no, there's one in Brooklyn now, which is really weird. Um, wow. I, I don't know how long it's been there, but there's a mall in the middle of of Brooklyn, and there's a Target in it, and I go there like once a week to buy a huge box of Cliff Bars because I'm a monster. Uh-huh. And, no, you're yeah. just trying to stay alive. You're just trying to stay alive. It's true. It's true. Wait, have you always lived in New York? I haven't. I'm Canadian. Oh, interesting. Yeah. yeah. So I'm from Toronto. Oh, well, well, well. Home of oh. Drake. <laughs> yeah. That doesn't have as much cachet as it used to, though. I know, except he really tried for the six. Did that catch on for you guys? It <laughs> didn't really, I mean, maybe a little bit. I feel like it mostly caught on with people outside of Toronto. Um, <laughs> yeah, that was, that was a got. time. That was a moment. That was a yeah. couple of years where we could really point to Drake and say, this guy. Oh, I'm Jewish. I'm Jewish. And Drake was a coup for us as well. Oh, we yeah. Were like, we were like, Jew. He's a Jew. <laughs> we love it. We love to point out when other, when people who have succeeded are Jews. Do you, are you at that level now, if I can ask, where you think people are pointing to you and doing that? Well, I don't know. I went to the website of the improv theater I used to perform at every week and I'm not listed as a notable alumni. So what the fuck (sighs) is that about? Rude. I was very upset. Um, I'm listed. It's funny. I was listed in on my Wikipedia page. Um, uh-huh. like something about my high school. My mom didn't really like my high school. So she said she went on Wikipedia and edited them out of my page because they don't deserve <laughs> to be associated with me. <laughs> oh my God. Yeah. That's she's, incredible. She's brutal. So they tried, they tried it. And she was like, Mm-mm. do you think it was your high school that tried that? I mean, I'm sure people just like post, you know, I don't know who made my page and I don't know where they got their facts from. Pretty hilarious, though, like the people I've dated who they've like linked our Wikipedia pages. So like that's a conversation I've had where I like hung out with an ex of mine and I was like, your wiki's linked to mine, right? And he was like, it is. And I was like, oh, so cute. Oh, wow. That's like, so that's, weird. I know. And I was like, that's so fun. Cool. <laughs> Has there ever been false information on your wiki page? Um, I I. Nothing that was like egregious, just things that I was like, why would you put that? Like weird, like weird, like, I don't know where like my, 
my mom works or something. And I'm like, but who cares? Mm. Like just the information <laughs> they've chosen is very strange. But nothing egregious. And no one's like ever gotten any like just random details completely wrong and oh. just been like, oh, this is what it is. Oh, I mean, not on Wikipedia, but all the time in it's the amount, the confidence with which people say <laughs> things that are so not true is mind blowing. Like my favorite is when like people will comment on our YouTube channel and they'll be like, someone will say, well, isn't she dating this person? And then someone else will be like, no, she was dating this person, but then they broke up, but then they got back together, but now she's dating this person. And they say it like, not just not like what blows my mind is they don't go, I think, or I heard, or maybe they say it with like a hundred percent certainty as if it is a hundred percent true and they know it for a fact. And then they could not be more wrong. It is <laughs> magnificent. Like I can't even like, it's so crazy. Or like people will be like, I'm such a huge fan. Uh, and then I'll be like, that's great. Someone said to Allison one time, Oh my God, I'm your biggest fan, but then didn't know who I was. <laughs> Like, how, how? The other one. Like, what are you talking about? Oh, my God. So it's, like, very weird. I just was listening to a podcast with Paul F. Tompkins, and he was talking about how people go, I'm your biggest fan. When are you coming to Boston? And then he's like, I was there yesterday, so clearly you're not my <laughs> biggest fan. So it's just, like, weird shit like that. Like, or, or they'll just be so sure, like, about... Uh, like random stuff. Like I don't even, I don't even have a good example, but they'll be like very certain about something and it'll be completely wrong. But I wish, even if they were wrong, I wish that they would just go, I think, or I heard, or like, it seems like, but they never present it like that. They always present it as like, it is a hundred percent true. Oh my God, the best. This was so good. This woman made a big post on Facebook being like, then I don't know why everyone is supporting this particular feminist woman. They're like, I don't know why everyone is supporting her. She's just a white feminist. And then someone said like this, and, and I've seen other feminists supporting her and it's like bullshit. And then someone said, where did, who did you see supporting her? And then she said, I heard about her on Gabby Dunn's podcast. And I looked and I was like, and I was tagged and I was like, I've never had this person on my podcast. <laughs> and the woman was like, Yes, this episode, you spent an hour, you talked to this woman, you gave her a platform, she's not a good person, blah, blah, blah. And I was like, you're thinking of a different person. You heard of this woman. You heard of this woman on a different show. This, you did not, hear, like, she was so sure that she had heard this of this woman on my show and then was, like, fighting with me about it. And I was like, I have never interviewed this person. But she like went off on this like big, long Facebook post about how I'm terrible because she 100% heard of this woman on my show. And I've never, I've never talked to that woman, never oh interviewed her God. for my show. Like, so just like, I don't mind criticism or like people knowing things, but it's so crazy how sure people are of things that are factually incorrect. Absolutely. That's just, it's buck wild. Like, yeah. And it's like, yeah, it, it. I don't know. It's like there's something in, in everyone's brains that like we don't want to like back down when someone is like, no, actually what you're saying is wrong. Like but it's not just bad. It, it's wrong. In the time it took you to write that post, you could have Googled. <laughs> like that's what I don't understand. Someone yelled at me. I like had a guest on my podcast um, and someone yelled at me, like wrote this long email about why it was problematic that I had this straight guy on my podcast because to represent a certain group. And I was like, 
literally a quick Google would have saved you the 45 minutes it took you to write this email because he's not straight. But like they just had, they had, I feel like they have this platform ready and they just need someone. They just need like a scapegoat. Like she already had all these ideas formulated. And then she, rather than like check, she just was like, let me give you my whole spiel. I think, I mean, I truly don't know, but it's like, but then I just write back one sentence. I go, hi, the guest you're referring to is actually not straight. Thank you. Like, what am I, you know what I mean? Like, I, you, I under like, yes, your whole email is correct. Your, your thoughts are correct. Unfortunately, they're aimed at the wrong, in the wrong direction. <laughs> right. There's probably a lot of really good that it's probably coming from like a really good place of like being really upset about and some serious right. issue. And yeah, like you're right. But in this particular instance, mm-hmm. it's aimed at the wrong place. Yep. Yep. Yeah. Or that's that's just- super real. There's just assumptions before I was a really big, before I really talked about bisexuality a lot, uh, on the pod, on the, on the YouTube channel, I would get, you know, people like tweeting at me being like, of course, a straight girl would say this. And I was like, okay, I'm not straight, but like, thanks. Or like I had someone write this long email that was like railing at me for not, for like not understanding like immigrant families or something, but I like come from an immigrant family. Like it was just like stuff where I'm just like, I, you're so correct, but like you just need like a little bit more information. <laughs> <laughs> like I agree yeah, with your hard. platform. Yeah. 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 I don't know. It's so weird. I guess the internet allows for that. Oh, it allows and encourages too, I think. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, it's, it's wild. Um, it it is just like a weird and wild place out there, and um, <laughs> anyone who's in the spotlight just experiences the full brunt of it. Um, I did want to ask about that podcast though, because it's like a really interesting concept to me. Um, yeah, thank you. It is so. It's a podcast about personal finance, correct? Sort of. Yeah, it's about personal finance. It also about like emotions and finance. Right. It also about like me not I mean I don't want to make it seem like I give good advice I don't. <laughs> uh yeah it's called bad with money so if that tells you anything so if so you're if you're bad with money um wh- how did that podcast come about like were you just like I need to like get good at this and like one way I will do that is by starting a podcast so I'm forced to learn things because that makes total sense to me yeah, well, one one thing. So I'm I sold the podcast as a book, so I'm writing it as a book now, and uh, and more of a memoir type thing, but focused on money. And one of the the big things was um, that I, I like there so, like it's all so purposefully confusing, mm-hmm. and it, they like take almost like the system takes pleasure in fucking with you, and so. If I didn't, I'm one thing I'm learning from the book is like, if I didn't make learning about this stuff, my full-time job, then it would already be a full-time job. Like the amount that I have had to sit and talk to credit card people and, and try to understand, like, like I, I spend all day doing this stuff and I still don't know anything. Um, <laughs> and so it's like pretty wild that we're just expected to like do this as part of our daily life. Like you go to work, you go to school, you eat food, you 
pay your bills, you try to figure out what to do with your retirement. And like, that's supposed to be just like a slice of your life. But I've made it like my entire career. And I still have no fucking idea what anyone is talking about. Um, and so for the average person, that's, that's how could you even start? How could you even like, if you don't have the luxury that I have of just turning this into your job, like how, how can you even begin to know anything? And one of the big things I learned is that the experts, the people that do go out and write these books and say, I know everything. And I don't mean my book, which will, uh, I readily admit in it that I don't know anything, but, um, people that write like, this is what you should do type books or have TV shows where they go, this is what you should do. They're guessing. They're just guessing. Like if you look at any of that advice before the 2008 housing crisis, like it does, it could not have predicted or helped you at all. So I, I think like, this, I, what I wanted to do with the show was break down the idea that like, there's these, this top tier of people who know more than you because nobody knows, <laughs> nobody knows anything. And I also was, it started because I was furious that, um, nobody talked about money. That was the big thing. Yeah. That seems really tough. Like it's a pretty common complaint among a lot of people I know is that like, I think especially if you have friends who are artists and then friends who are like have full-time office jobs and then have friends who like work for tech companies, there's like a huge divergence in people's incomes and like mm -hmm. no one really talks about that because there's sort of like this prohibition against like money isn't like a polite subject of conversation. Yeah. And it was also... I remember when I was younger, I was like a New York hipster piece of shit. And, um, and I had friends who worked day jobs and everyone, you know, we were like 22 and everyone would be like, uh, you have to go to your day job or like, you know, everyone like would work some sort of retail job or barista job that wasn't like nine to five. And then the people that had nine to fives were sort of like, look at you co corporate drone or whatever. But then secretly we were all like trying to get nine to fives. And then like I had, I worked as a freelance journalist, so I would go back and forth. Sometimes I would get like a day job and then sometimes I would just be reporting and like praying for a freelance check. But I, but like it, it became normalized because if no one talked about money and no one had money, then that was just normal. And there was no different, like there was no middle ground for me between, um, super rich people who have private jets. And then me and my friends, I was just like, that's it. That's, there's no middle ground. Like <laughs> nobody, you know, like if I was ever going to get money, I guess I would ha own an Island. And if I, <laughs> and other than that, you know, that I don't have anything. Like I had no idea in my concept of how much is a lot of money changed so quickly too, where like, I used to just like be like, Oh, I have 10 bucks in my account. All right. What am I going to get for dinner with that 10 bucks? And now like that idea would terrify me. But I, but I lived that way for 27 years and I'm 29 now. <laughs> yeah. I mean, uh, so much of this does depend on like your context. Right. Um, mm -hmm. And I think definitely for like, yeah, like a lot of younger people, we don't really have, I don't know. I feel like a lot of people have like these vague anti-capitalist uh, sentiments sort of mm -hmm. brewing in their heads that on the one hand are like, are great and like can contribute to like, to being able to recognize the unjustness of a lot of this stuff. But on the other hand, like can just make talking about money even harder or can like make you guilty for like, for having any kind of security or for, um, or like you say, for like, 
for being not in like this one end of the spectrum of like dirt poor, like having like, you know, $5 in your checking account or whatever, um, like getting anything above that can be like really difficult for people to adjust to. Is that something that you've, you've talked to anyone you've talked to people about, or you've talked about on the show? Yeah, it is stressful. Um, the second episode of season one, I have a financial psychologist on and he talks. So I said I was getting a book advance soon and I would change income brackets very quickly. And he was like, that's one of the most stressful things that can happen because you you know how to exist this one way. And all of a sudden now, like it's almost like when you go to a, a, a diner and there's like a all of a sudden there's like a huge menu and you're like, I really wish there was just a smaller menu. Like I, I don't have to think about it if there's a small menu, but now it's then I, I all of a sudden got this money and then people started coming at me with like, well, what kind of retirement fund are you going to get? What are you going to do with it? Where are you going to invest it? And I was like, I really preferred my life when I didn't have to think about this <laughs> stuff, but not really because I was, I cried yeah. once, once a week I had, I sat in my car and cried about not having any money and not knowing where different like payments were going to come from. And like most, like I had so normalized crying about money that I was like, this is just a thing I schedule myself to do. <laughs> like time, time has come. Uh, and then when I, so then when you're jarred, like you're given a lump sum and you're like jarred out of that and you're like, okay, then I like started to pay back debts and tried to figure out like a, a an actual plan to like pay back the IRS who I owed money to and pay back people I owed money to and, uh, start doing student loans. And then after all that, I was like, okay, now I could like do a retirement fund. And I started doing that slowly. And then I started having like a savings account and like, but yeah, but I really did have to like turn figuring out what to do with this money into a full-time job. But it's also like, you, you know, people start to view you differently and you start to view yourself differently and the type of things that you like have open to you changes. And so like sometimes your friends will change, but then you don't want to like, there's people that you enjoy their company and money is just money who cares. And so then you start paying for people because you're like, I don't want to not be able to hang out with my friend anymore. Like, or I, I, I you know, or like, okay, like, let's try to figure out a thing that we can do that's a middle ground, like more than just like, oh, we're both on the same page all the time. Like it, 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 it rockets your, it changes your life in a lot of really wonderful ways, but also in a lot of ways that are like very overwhelming to happen all at once. Yeah, that seems like totally stressful I mean, and like, and, and good too, but it's like, yeah. Great. It's great. I just didn't want to be one of those people that I guess I had this fear of being embarrassed where like I get this lump sum for this book and then I blow through it all or right. I I didn't handle it correctly or I was and then people think I'm an idiot. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's the nightmare scenario. Yeah. So is that like um I wanted to do the right thing but I had to yeah. figure out what the right thing was. Right, right, right. So it's funny, like you say, like there's people like no one really knows how to do this stuff. And I feel like that's totally true. Like, I feel like there are people who know how to basically kind of hack the system to kind of get what they want. Um, but in order to do that, you already kind of like have to have money, right? Yeah, of course. And I'm like wildly uncomfortable all the time because my comfort <laughs> zone, my my comfort zone was 27 years of of 
being broke all the time. Right. Like that's comfortable. I mean, it sucked and I was very stressed out and I had like physical symptoms of stress and I cried all the time, but at least that was like familiar. Mm-hmm. Whereas like now uh, it's this different, it's a different thing where I, I just am like, okay, like I have to make all these decisions and I, I that I just was like, maybe I shouldn't have like, maybe I should have learned. I mean, they don't teach you anything in school. They don't teach you anything in college. Like, you know, nobody, like if you have really great parents, they'll sit you down and and tell you, you know, how to do these various things. But most people don't come from like, if you, you know, I don't come from like a a rich family, so they don't, they're like, good luck. Like there's no guidance at all. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think that's, that's like one way that that wealth like reproduces and like maintains itself right is through like the knowledge of how to to deal with money yeah that's why there's wealthy families yeah they really should teach this in high school like why isn't this a thing i'm sure it's maybe starting to be in some places but i never encountered any of that either no i never encountered it either people are starting to to like i think my show and then also, like weirdly, Reese Witherspoon has a company called or a foundation called Girls Inc., where she teaches financial literacy to young girls that I've I've looked into just because of my podcast. But like there are certain there are things that are ha- happening. And I think young people in, in my research for the book uh, thus far, I've talked to some a lot of young people who seem way more aware of like financial like they're aware of student loans. They're aware in a way that I wasn't when I was younger um, you know, they're aware of, uh, that they might, that they're going to have to like put a down payment, uh, or like, you know, to get an apartment, like they're, they're aware of these things that me at 18 was just like, huh, what? Yeah. Well, I hope maybe it's one way that the internet is making kids better. I hope. <laughs> well, definitely. I think they're learning about it from Twitter and they're learning about it from seeing, uh, people our age, I'm assuming your age, but people our age on Tumblr, like bitching about student loans, they see that and they go, I don't want that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Who does? No one <laughs> right. needs that. It's terrible. It's the worst. And it was like so devastating. To me. I'm 29. And it was like devastating because they were like, oh, yeah, our moms like talk about their student loans. And I was like, oh, God, don't tell me how old oh, your moms no. are. Just just, oh, just, no. just, 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 just now. <laughs> oh, that is rough. Um, I know. Okay, but so the YouTube channel, mm-hmm. the podcast, which is now bookified, it's becoming, it's in book form. It's back in book form. Um, but then you have another book coming out in September. Yeah, Allison and I, uh, so the one I'm writing now is based on the podcast, but Allison and I wrote a book called I Hate Everyone But You. That's a young adult novel. So that's fiction. Um, and that is like sort of, comes from our personalities on the YouTube channel. So that's two girls and they go off to college for the first time and they're, they're best friends and they're an odd couple as we are on the channel. And then it's the, it's sort of deals with, you know, Allison's wheelhouse is mental health. She, she was diagnosed with OCD when she was four years old and she's like really intense on like mental health stuff and being very vocal about that. And then, um, I deal a lot with obviously like coming out and, and like, like I call my fans the queer teens and like so we wanted to to do a book that married both of those ideas so like you know her quote-unquote character it's fiction but like her character is uh 
going to college and trying to be as normal as possible and join a sorority and like be this picture perfect girl, uh, but also is like very mentally ill and like can't touch the sheets. And then like my uh, character is goes to school and is like, you know, similar to myself and some of my friends when I went away to college, which was like just too much freedom. Like you're just partying too much and you don't, nobody's making you go to class. And, um, and she's also like, you know, bisexual. So she's dating and doing all that kind of stuff. But like, uh, she's very like social justice and self-righteous. And, uh, so there's like, they're both sort of trying to figure out each other's new selves, new college selves. And it's like, will they stay friends? It's really like a friendship rom-com. That's so great. And what's it like writing a novel with another person? I feel like that's a really unusual arrangement. Yeah, it was very weird. Um, well, we sat next to each other and wrote it. I, <laughs> <laughs> she, Allison, you got to give her credit. She is a, she is a good boss to me uh, because (laughs) she was the one who was like, okay, so Monday, Wednesday, Friday, 9am to 5pm, we will be writing the book. And I was like, what? And she was like, yep, we're going to write 2000 words a day, get ready. And I was like, and then she forced me, we did it. I had to show up at her house at 9am and we couldn't be done until five. And like, it was, and then we wrote the whole book in like three and a half months, four months, because she just like, was like, wake up time to work like very like oh my god I know and that's kind of what she that's what she's like in general um and I literally like writing this second book on my own I've just been like here's like to my editors like I don't know here's some documents of feelings what do you think and they're like (laughs) okay like she and I are very work very differently so like a lot of our stuff that we do together is is like me being like what about this feeling and then she'll be like okay how is that a sketch <laughs> and like <laughs> that it it sort of comes together in that like a lot of the like bigger she's more detail oriented and I'm way more bigger picture mm-hmm. so it, it worked out that way but also I wanted to murder her and myself <laughs> for, for like <laughs> three and a half months <laughs> that just seems like so stress just like I don't know. It just seems so antithetical to like the way that a lot of people talk about writing, which is just as this like torturous thing that like oh, can only torturous. happen at certain. Oh no, I bet. But like people being like, oh, and then I like put in a bit here and then a bit here. But I guess you have to at some level you just have to like buckle down and be disciplined. And that's maybe just the most extreme end of it is just doing it <sighs> nine to five for like three months. I couldn't. I was like dying. Uh, we ate a lot of candy and like we tried to. <laughs> Like we just went to like Dylan's candy bar and just like ate candy all day. And then like tried to, uh, like we would think of some, we didn't really have an outline. We knew what was going to happen, like what the girls were going to be and stuff. But we, we, so we had to like, write. I had this big outline on my computer of like all the things that we, just to keep track of all the characters and all the things that we had said. Cause like at one point we are, when we turned in the book, the copy editor was like, on on page five, you said that one of the characters had a sister, but then on page 200, you said she was an only child. And we were like, that makes sense. We were not paying attention. Um, <laughs> and then, so like, it was a lot of like trying to keep everything, but we knew like we were really passionate about what we wanted it to be about. And the and we knew the, char- I mean, the characters are us. Like we knew these characters inside and out. So it's been really nice to read reviews where people say, 
that they seem really fleshed out. And we're like, yeah, cause they're real. They're us. <laughs> we, <laughs> we, we know them. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And it's been really gratifying to see a lot of, like we got on a lot of lists for LGBT books and stuff. And there's, um, there's a lot of, uh, queer and trans characters, which like I pushed for and, and made a priority on my half of the book. And so, because also Emerson is a very gay school, so it wouldn't have made, like, it would have just been inaccurate anyway. But, um, but yeah, so I, and then to hear people that review it say like single out that they really enjoyed that it was like a, a, a happy queer book is like, I don't know. It it was like, oh man, this is the most I could hope for. That's so gratifying. I know. I'm really, really, really happy whenever that gets singled out. Yeah, that's great. I mean, um, did you like read much or have you read much um, YA like beforehand? I was like a really, 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 really into books as a kid. Like I would just I devoured Babysitter's Club. I devoured Nancy Drew. I read like Boxcar Children, Hardy Boys. Like I was just like uh, massive. I was super into Lord of the Rings. <laughs> um, I was just like way like huge reader, like very we like my parents made some joke about me at my bat mitzvah about how I read so much. And I was like, did they, they just called me a nerd at my own bat mitzvah? <laughs> But like, but like, yeah, I was like very, very, very big, uh, book person. And then, um, now I, I mean, it, when it comes out, like my mom really likes to read anything that's popular. So like she read twilight and she read the hunger games and she's the one who like made me read the hunger games just cause she likes to keep abreast of what's going on in the book world. Mm-hmm. Um, and she like, you know, bought us the new Harry Potter and like, it's just like very into that kind of stuff. And, um, so, yeah. So, I mean, with YA, we're on the same, we have the same editor as Rainbow Roll, who is like incredible. So when we realized that we were on the same, you know, print as her, we like, re- we read all of her stuff, like fangirl and attachments and stuff like that. And just, and attach, our, our book is written in texts and emails primarily. And so is attachments which is Rainbow's book. So we were like, oh, that's awesome. That's like such a, that's a cool grandfather to our book. I don't want to say that like, it's like old, but you know what I mean? Like it's a cool, like it's in the same family, the nice cousin to our book. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, No, they're related. Sure. Yeah. And then, uh, yeah, I mean, why is such an interesting, like, uh, like I read a lot of comic stuff. So like lumberjanes and strong female protagonist and which are all geared towards younger audiences. And then, um, and then I, what did I, what's on my shelf? Oh, Sarah Benincasa's book, DC Trip. Like, so yeah, there, I guess the answer is yes, but it depends on if you count like comic books as YA, which I think <laughs> you do. Sure. You yeah. I mean, you can. Yeah. Why not? I mean, it's so great too, because Lumberjanes also is like a comic book series that is aimed at young, young people. Uh, that also has like queer and trans characters. Like, it's just so great. Like, it's like, they get it. They know you can't talk down to them. It's not like, you know, there's no sheltering. It's like really what's so, what's been so funny is some of the reviews for our book have been like by adults being like, well, this is like, there's a lot of gay stuff in this book. Who boy. But then they go like on Goodreads, but then they go, ah, good writing though. (laughs) (laughs) It's like, I'm I'm just like really amazed at how much of a leap there's been in like the last 10 years on like 
YA and kids media around this stuff because like I will I've seen like a few episodes of Steven Universe I'm not like a big fan or anything but like I've I watched a little bit of it and I've just like you know I've, I've heard a lot because I'm on the internet and um I'm like oh yeah it's gay it's gay it's gay and like I watched a few episodes and was like oh it's actually like it actually is like gay um mm-hmm. and it's like for small kids like the kids who grow up reading and watching this stuff like are gonna be just like ah, man their worldview is gonna be so different did you see danger and eggs the amazon show i like haven't shoddy. seen that no so shoddy Potoski is like a, a trans creator she is the showrunner of danger and eggs which is a a, a kid's show on uh amazon right now and it's just all queer and trans voice actors like it's it's wild and it's like I and they, the final episode takes place at Pride in their town and there's a character that I don't I'm not in it but she drew a character that looks like me so I don't talk but you can see me <laughs> as a as a cartoon in it and I'm wearing like the pansexual or polyamorous I can't remember but I'm wearing the like Pride colors or something it's very cute um but yeah like I mean I I can't like I was so deeply closeted in and like now I am like oh man what a post glee world we live in (laughs) (laughs) I can't believe yeah they're gonna just be like I mean I went when I went down to that high school in South Florida and I interviewed um some kids there for the book just coincidentally like one girl was like a fan of mine so I took a picture with her and on her Instagram she tagged me and her Instagram was like she her queer like bisexual and I was like oh my you are 16 like do you even know if anyone had seen my Instagram saying that when I was 16 I would have jumped off a bridge right like it's wild it's so wild (laughs) and even I went to a school on the south side of Chicago and I interviewed kids there and they had a big sign in their hallway that was said we accept people of all genders races sexualities like there was a long list about like and whatever, if it was some like teacher doing it as like anti-bullying propaganda or whatever, but like they had it in their hallway. I like when I think about my experiences in high school, it was just like not something that was like, like to be gay was like not even really acknowledged as like a reality. Like it oh, was, no way. And I lived in like, it wasn't like a rural not that like rural places are always automatically more conservative but like i lived in like a pretty big city at like a like you know middle class like whatever high school and it was just like yeah like it wasn't like acknowledged as a thing that you could be like no one it it was just like oh people are just gay in like movies or like (laughs) like it was it's it's just like so different. And that I thought, wasn't that I long ago. Had to, I know. I thought you had to like move to the city to be gay. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, I heard in the musical Rent that you could be gay oh in New York City. That's <laughs> the only place. <laughs> oh, God. Rent spreads so much misinformation. <laughs> Whatever. I will go to bat for that. I saw that show so many times. I saw it. So many times because I had nothing else and I would watch Queer as Folk and I would just be like, why are the lesbians boring? Oh, God. <laughs> right. Yeah. I think, I mean, we just like scrambled for whatever we had. Um, mm-hmm. And even things that may have in retrospect be like deeply so 
problematic. Bad or like stolen from actual lesbian writers or like whatever. Bad kids today. It's like we had to walk miles in the snow to get gay content. And look at you. (laughs) I'm so happy for them though. I I will protect. I will protect. But it is also like, it's not like a a walk in the park or anything. Oh, absolutely not. There was, there was certainly pushback on my, my half of the book. I will say I will be as general as possible, but there was definitely a pushback on, on the amount of, of queer and trans stuff that I included in my side of the book and on, and on allowing, uh, people to consult uh, on my side of the book based on their experiences and also paying those consultants was also an uphill battle. Wow. Huh? I know. So it's not a bit of roses. (laughs) Yeah. And I mean, even like lit is still a really, really straight place and like gay male literature has a little bit of a niche. Um, Mm -hmm. But like, like queer women's stories yeah. are still like there's a little bit more in YA now, a little bit, but like mm-hmm. not that much. And like it's still for a lot of people. Like I'm actually not the surprise that you say that it was a struggle because um, everything I've heard from people in that industry is like, yeah, if you want to publish a book with like a lesbian character in it or like a queer woman character, or whatever, like that is going to be a difficult thing to do. Yeah, I feel like I really got to shoehorn it in because it was like both me and Allison's story. So like her character uh, balances mine out in in a way that I think makes made them less scared, which is unfortunate. But um, yeah, and and but but I went sort of, uh, for lack of a better term, balls to the wall on my side. (laughs) Um, So, yeah, I went. Uh, like my character is very, uh, very queer, very like unapologetic, very whatever. But and we did end up paying consultants. Um, but yeah, there was a lot of education in terms of um, what I wanted to include on my on my side, uh, which was which was interesting. And the and the consultants proved invaluable because I got pushback on it. And then the first question that we got at BookCon because I knew that we would was someone asking about the trans character. And I was like, of course, of course, because that's what I would do. Huh. I know. In a positive light, but they were asking like, wow, so did you like talk to any? And I was like, and then I was like, here are my receipts. Yes, we did. We paid them. Here are their names. You know what I mean? Just because like, uh, just because like I knew that that would be my, like as someone in the community, that would be my first question. Sure, yeah. So, but it's a matter of like stuff that seems obvious to you is not always obvious to other to other people. Right, right, yeah, that makes sense. Well, that's really exciting. Um, and by the time this episode comes out, I think the book will be out in like two weeks or something. Yeah, it comes out September fifth. Oh, that's awesome. Um, and do you want to say the name of it again, just so people can can go grab it? Oh yeah, you can pre-order it. It's called "I Hate Everyone But You." Um, and, uh, we're also touring with it too. Oh, amazing. Yeah. So at Gabby and you can find tour dates, uh, cause we're going to be doing a, some places are just signings, but some places we're doing like an hour and a half long live show. That's like super funny and weird. <laughs> it's going to be real weird. 
<laughs> have you done many of those before? Like live, oh, live shows? No, 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 no. I mean, we have, I mean, I've done like stand up and storytelling and so has she, but no, we've never put on like, like a, like a hour and a half long. Like, oh my God. Yeah. It's like a Broadway. Like we, like, there's like <laughs> videos and sound cues and music. It's like, we've, uh, yeah we've we yeah we've never done that before i'm gonna be so tired oh my god that's so exciting though it's fun yeah it's gonna be like a couple weeks yeah it looks like you're coming to new york in we are yeah in september on the 6th the the dates that got announced thus far are philly new york chicago boston minneapolis and dallas and then hopefully probably by the time this is out we'll know about the west coast too nice yeah that's so exciting oh my god right now have you done a book tour before? No, I've never done. I've never done any. I've never. I mean, I toured a little bit like with stand up because I dated a stand up. And when he would go places, I would just like go with him and also perform. But like, no, not on my own. Like, not like this. I mean, even in Boston in particular, I went to school at Emerson and that's right next door to the theater that we're playing called the Wilbur. And I used to walk past that billboard every day in, for like four years and look at like, you know, I saw John Stewart do stand up there. Like I like that was like a, a huge thing. And then the idea that like our faces are going to be on that billboard is still I haven't I don't know what I'll do when I see it. <laughs> so weird. Yeah, Exciting, though. And like, yeah, I'm sure it's going to be exhausting, but it's going to be great. Yeah, I mean, I I. I, I could not have predicted. <laughs> it's really, it's really um, lovely. Yeah. Well, I wish you the best on that tour. Um, I know a lot of people, it feels like, I mean, summer is a big tour time. So I know a lot of people who have been like just traveling around these United States this summer. And um, from my own experience, it is like um, super rewarding and incredible. And then also just like you want to sleep for a week. So <laughs> did you do a book tour? Um, yeah, like, um, almost like two years ago at this point, I think, um, on like a much smaller scale. So it was mostly just like the Northeast because we just yeah. sort of all got in a car and we're just like driving around. Um, nice. and yeah, I'm sure it'll be a blast. Um, and hopefully, um, yeah, people can come out and see you. Um, yeah, in, people in New York, York, cause I'm sure you're like elite New York listeners. Yeah. Well, the media elite on the, the, the media Coast, elite yeah. of New York, mm-hmm. you better come to this tour <laughs> please go please I'm go to the show kidding i i wrote for all your publications the least you could fucking do yeah <laughs> yeah kidding. pay it it's forward too, pay it back just pay too it. aggressive too aggressive, <laughs> too aggressive? Okay. so many of you made me wait so long for my freelance checks the least you could do i'm so sorry <laughs> <laughs> no lay into them they deserve it these wonderful people who also yeah uh, you don't work they don't work on payroll they don't work on payroll no 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 no. <laughs> well um do you want to move on to our one segment of the show sure yeah i'm very yeah go for it yeah okay it's called get wrecked get wrecked it's a segment where um we recommend things and those things oh man the things they can be they can be anything that I am looking at in my room right now when I have forgotten to come up with something for the for the exercise. They could be a bag of mixed nuts and seeds that I bought online that I thought I would buy to make me healthy and I've eaten a few handfuls of. Um, it could be 
music. It could be the best of K. Ryan's poetry. Um, it could be a pair of boots, you know, anything. The sky's the limit. And I always offer it up to the guests whether they would like to go first or they would like me to go first. Oh, uh, you go first. I'll go first. And I <laughs> lied. I had something prepared this time, guests. So get off my case if you were going to be on it. Um, I'm going to recommend something for people who uh, want to take makeup off at the end of the day or clean their face, which should be basically everyone because, you know, face cleaning, I feel like, is a pretty broad thing. Um, I'm going to recommend micellar water, uh, which is this water. It's like it looks like water, but it has these little micelles. Micelles? I don't know how to pronounce that. Do you know how that is? No, I don't even know what you're talking about. You don't know about. what this is? Oh, my God. I am going to blow your mind right now. Okay, micellar water is like, um, it's this like cleansing water that um, the the main one that I buy is from Garnier. And um, you just like. What? You squirt it onto like a, a cotton pad. And what? you just wipe it over your face. And it takes off your makeup and it cleanses your skin. And it's like, it works um super well it's basically like water with like tiny balls of like oil molecules in it and they they pull out the dirt and and oil um and makeup like off your face without really drying out your skin like there's no alcohol in it um what oh my god you have to try it okay they make one I've never heard of they this. make one that is also good for waterproof makeup so if you wear like waterproof mascara or liner or anything you can use that i just use the basic one um and it does like a really it's really great it's really like nice on your skin like even if you have sensitive skin it works um really well um so i'm gonna recommend that and like i don't know i use the garnier one but i'm sure there are other brands that work just as well wow this is uh, a recommendation for me as well as a listener <laughs> yeah no problem um, i'm gonna recommend uh opening your mail uh, because I used to never open my mail and it turns out that there's a lot of important things in there and I know it's scary, uh, <laughs> to open your mail. I, it is, it's terrifying. Nobody wants to do it. People hate it. And I get that because I would think if I just throw it away, I don't have to do whatever the mail's telling me. <laughs> to do. Mm, mm -hmm, false, mm -hmm. false logic. Um, you will still have to pay the bills even if you throw them away. So the best thing to do is to get over that fear and just open your mail. It's tough. Um, it's tough. Nobody likes to open their mail. I never liked it. I would literally just, I tweeted like years ago. I was like, I was like, oh, mail is such a funny thing that you take from your mailbox, walk all the way upstairs with it and then throw it away. <laughs> uh, and, and people were like, you throw out your mail. And I was like, yeah, doesn't everyone? Like, <laughs> Oh, but, yeah. You can't throw out your mail. <laughs> it's, it's, I mean, it's hard. It's hard, right? Because I know it. I know what, what it's like. You get a, an envelope. You get a big, thick, brown envelope from uh, the government, from the man. And, sure, of uh, course. And you're like, I don't need this in my life. What, you know what, who does need this? Mr. Garbage Can. Um, yeah. It's self-care to throw out your mail, unfortunately. <laughs> it's like self-destructive care to throw out your mail. 
Yeah, unfortunately, you do have to open your mail. I'm sorry. Look, nobody wants to hear this. I didn't. I came here to be the bearer of bad news, but I really think you got to open your mail, guys. It's. I mean, I okay. So I got mail from that really scary looking mail the other day. Open it yeah. up. Got a new. Got a. I have a social security number now. So it wasn't scary at all. It was you can work now in this country. Oh, I've thrown out debit cards. Like, don't, like <laughs> you can like also like I, I I opened my mail one time and it was like just and I was from Time Warner and I was like, oh, no. And it was just them being like, you can have free cable if you want. So sometimes the mail it, Merritt and I are correct. Sometimes the mail is not is you look scary, but then it's something good like a coupon or your Social Security card. The mail can be your friend. Yeah. That's the and message that we're trying even to Even if it is scary, even if it's bad, like, you got to deal with it. You do have to. It is, it doesn't disappear when you throw it away. What usually happens is they'll send you another one and, um, and then they'll part start me, calling part you. Of me, so. Part of me used to be like, unless they knock on my door, it's not that important. <laughs> okay, but here's the thing. Here's the thing with mail. Here's the end game of mail. What? Like, if you don't. If you throw away your mail for long enough, you're going to start getting phone calls. And how much more worse is that? Yeah. It's a exactly. lot worse. You don't need yeah. that. You don't need phone calls in your life unless you're you the kind of person need... who likes them. But even from those no. people, you will not like them. You don't need to be getting like avoiding any number you don't know because it might be Sally Mae or something. But then you miss out on a phone call from, I don't know, the love of your life. How did they get your phone number? They'll never know because you never answered the exactly. phone. Exactly. Exactly. Thank so you. So open your mail to find love. Open your mail to find love is the message <laughs> that is that you should come away with from this episode. Gabby, thank you so much for coming on the show. It's been so great talking to you. I know. Thank you for having me. I enjoy your Twitter presence. Oh, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> it's uh, It sure is there for people to look at against <laughs> against my wishes against all medical advice it's there uh do you want to tell people where they can find you on twitter and elsewhere on the internet yeah i'm at gabby dunn g-a-b-y-d-u-n-n and then on instagram at gabby road because i thought i was being cute uh my youtube channel is youtube.com slash just between us show and then you get the book it's i hate everyone but you it's available for pre-order but you can go on gabby J-B-Y and A-L-L-I-S-O-N.com and you can get our book and you can also see tour dates. So maybe we'll be coming to your city and you can watch us be goofy. Amazing. Uh, well, thank you again so much. And hopefully I will um, I will see you when you're in New York. And until then, um, I hope you have a great night and I'll talk to you later. Bye. Bye. Secrets is hosted by Merrick Kay and produced and edited by me, Nick Bravo. Woodland Secrets is a part of Stay Mean, the world's only podcast network. We're entirely listener-supported. If you enjoy the show, please consider becoming a patron of Stay Mean at woodlandsecrets.co support. For as little as three bucks a month, you'll get access to a monthly newsletter and frequent bonus episodes of our shows. If you'd like to have a message read on the show, head to woodlandsecrets.co slash messages. You can help people find out about the show. Please mention us on Twitter. We're at Woodland Podcast and at Stay Mean Co. Or rate and review us in iTunes. 
we really appreciate it. Thanks for listening.